1: I here with the post-game podcast on Blood Red. Thanks for joining us. Post-game's pre-season preview, pre-match ahead of the Reds' first friendlies ahead of the new season. Yeah, it might sort of take some working out that one. Well, anyway, coming up, we'll get into the Reds' preparations. Hearing what a number of our post-game regulars are uh, thinking and when Michael Edwards and Jurgen Klopp should be looking to splash the cash before the transfer window closes. Here to get into it, we have Hannah Pinnock, Owen from on, and Mike Holt of Going the Match Pod. Hope you're all keeping very well indeed. Hannah, I'll, I'll come to you first. And I suppose the end of last season feels an eternity ago now. But of course, Liverpool did secure all important Champions League football.
0: Yes, I think back to last season, it, it does feel like a long time ago. We've already hit the Euros. Um, but I mean, like you said, securing that Champions League football is so important. And there there's definitely various points last season where you did think we weren't quite going to make it. Um, And that would have been absolutely devastating, especially for what we would have wanted to do in the transfer market as well. So, um, end of last season ended on a positive and, you know, it just makes you all the more excited for next season now.
1: Yeah, I think for, for yourself, Anna and Mike, it was sort of a baptism of fire of getting involved in the post-game pod. But oh, Owen, you're sort of one of our, our stalwarts. You've sort of sinned through all the heady days for Liverpool, reaching back-to-back to Champions League finals, winning the Premier League title as well. Last year was very much a rollercoaster, wasn't it? Yeah, but... Uh... I mean, the extenuating
2: circumstances are obvious to everybody with, uh, you know, 17 central defenders injured and all that. Um, I'm actually got, I've actually got the table in front of me because I, I still can't believe it. I think it's, you know, obviously it's not as good as winning the Premier League or winning the Champions League, but it's an extraordinary achievement. I mean, after 28 games, you know, it's, it's well documented. We were in eighth place on 43 points seven points adrift of Chelsea and the top four at that point were Man City, Man United, Leicester, and Chelsea. So in the last ten games we won seven, we draw we drew two, and we lost only one, which is equal Interestingly, with Leeds United at the top of the form table for the last ten games, but it was it was an absolutely barnstorming end to the season, and uh, you know a little bonus to see the Manchester clubs lose the finals, wasn't it? Uh, but uh, you know, just about Liverpool. Uh, you know, I was I'm absolutely, I, in many ways, I still can't believe we actually made it, not only to fourth but to third. Extraordinary
1: yeah definitely Mike, I was one of those kind of subscribing in sort of February type time of thinking actually looking at Real Madrid, maybe sort of the after obviously getting through the last 16 that the games obviously I think they're in March actually aren't they the Champions League quarterfinals, but thinking actually that might be the best route back to Champions League football for Liverpool, knowing the history with the tournament itself. but as Owen was saying, that run towards the end of the season it was some achievement.
3: It was some achievement indeed, and it's not something that you'd really want Liverpool to be in that position with. None of us expected us to be in that position. And, yeah, you touched on the Real Madrid game. That felt like it was the only realistic way of getting into the Champions League places at that time, which, you know, in hindsight, it's a mad way of looking at it, considering the performances we put in across those two legs. But, yeah, not only finishing fourth, but finishing third, as Owen said, it's, you know, he'd have told me that in March, you would have just laughed at you, because. The way we were playing you know as we started that season we started it pretty confident confidently obviously we got the injuries that we got um and you know it's still mad to think that at one point we were top of the league you know you look at how we were overachieving at that point to how then we started to underachieve but the run at the end of the season it was immense and you know you look at people like nat phillips i know we're going to touch on the transfers but you know, that, that's a shrewd bit of business for anybody um, looking at the way he performed in them last 10 games.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I suppose, Hannah, it was kind of a a season of thirds, wasn't it? Often we sort of say a game of two halves or whatever, but kind of season of of thirds, first part of the season, albeit the the Aston Villa game sort of taken out of context. Liverpool were flying high, had that huge win at Crystal Palace, looked as though sitting top of the league, it was going to be there. City had started in, in stuttering fashion and then came that run of form I don't think anybody could have anticipated before obviously picking it up before the end.
0: Yeah, um, it goes to show that anything can happen, and um, you know, it, it started the season so positively. Um, like you said, the the result against Crystal Palace, which considering there were points last season where we couldn't seem to score, the fact that we managed to score that many in one game is baffling to think in a way. Um, but yeah, it's it's it was a disappointing New Year January. Um losing that many games at Anfield as well, it, it's its not something that you'd expect of this Liverpool team and you started to feel like that whole mentality monsters and, and the team that sort of seemed to know how to win no matter what, that seemed to be slipping away and, and, and we looked absolute shadows of, of what we once were. But, you know, the fact that we were able to pick it up at, at the end of the campaign and, and actually, you know... Like Owen said, not only make Champions League football, but but get third as well. Um, I think is absolutely outstanding achievement, and you know, any anything can happen next season. We could start the season amazingly, and then and then tear off, and, and City could clinch it. But um, it makes you excited for next season that actually, you know, anything can happen, and and the fact that we ended the season so well, it only bodes well for for the start of the next next campaign.
1: Yeah, and how sort of do you think it's going to be easier said than done, maybe to sort of slip straight back into that run of form that we've seen from Liverpool over sort of the previous two seasons ahead of this one of being those mentality monsters and relentless? Or do you think that the players coming back from injury, the likes of Gomez, Matip, and Virgil van Dijk, along with I suppose Canate coming in, are, 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 are going to sort of lay the foundation there for Liverpool to go forward from that?
2: well i think it's a bit too early to say cuz cuz you know we'll have to you know ask me that on september the 1st after, after we've had the, the first few games and 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 you know the transfer window has has closed um but you know looking at the key key uh, the very key very fundamental numbers from from last season city only got 86 points um they scored 83 goals and they conceded 32 now liverpool scored 68 goals so we're 15 goals behind Manchester City based on last season and we're we've, we conceded 10 more we conceded uh, 42 compared to City's 32 City had the best defence in the league um, I think those 10 goals conceded we've already uh, with Konate, with Virgil coming back with, with with Matip and and Gomez being available and and the frankly brilliant nat phillips um you know i think that those 10 goals okay we can we can have the best defense again we can we really can canate is, is a monster i'm sure we'll talk about him soon um i was i was looking at the, the age of the dinosaurs and the mega fauna and he sort of you know reminds me of these these huge people like virgil van Dyke as well fabulous wow i'm so excited what a what a what a brilliant player he'll be for us but um anyway uh yeah uh, sticking to the question, I think it's too early to tell.
1: Yeah, no, I think it is an, an interesting one, isn't it? Because we've sort of seen those levels of consistency needed. And I suppose, Mike, just breaking away, Purely from Liverpool and looking wider, as Owen was saying, there Manchester City. We know they're likely to be there or thereabouts. Manchester United certainly spending big themselves in the transfer window and hoping to sort of continually build. And Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel have have been a real force as well. And you can't sort of expect four sides in the division to get ninety points. There'd be none to be shared around amongst everyone else. So maybe I suppose we're going to reach sort of a, a new age in the Premier League of there being four genuine sides going for a title, or maybe. Three, If you can discount Manchester United, I'm not sure what sort of pedigree they've got for a whole season. But you sort of take the point that maybe it's not going to be sort of 95 plus points.
3: Yeah, and I think maybe in the last couple of seasons, that has been a bit of a one-off with Liverpool and Manchester City. You know, the way that both teams have been playing. More so, the sort of the pressure they put under themselves to meet that expectation of points um i'm not too sure if the chelsea to be honest have got that in them man united as well you see how they sort of tailed off towards the end of the season i think that sort of mentality that both uh klopp and guardiola instill in their teams i, I do i do feel personally it's a bit of a um it's a bit of a one off those to be quite honest and like you say there's not enough points to be shared around the league for all those teams to be hitting those sort of heights um I, I, you know you look at the transfers You know, you think of Man City, they're getting linked to Kane, they're getting linked to Grealish. They're obviously going to get stronger again. That gives them more of a chance of hitting those points. You look at from our sort of perspective, Adam Canate. Obviously, that was, you know, a hole that really needed filling. We've probably got another hole in there in midfield that we need filling. And I, I do think maybe with two or three additions that we can hit that points barrier, you know, providing that everyone stays fit. I definitely think that's a real, like a realistic approach for us to start looking at.
1: Yeah, Hannah, have I got rose-tinted spectacles on it in thinking in terms of transfer approach? Liverpool's need was most certainly a centre-half and can I say that the deal for him was sort of wrapped up very very quickly indeed whereas Manchester City have been after a, an attacking midfield player or striker for a little while now Jack Grealish and Harry Kane are both getting touted but they don't really seem to have made a move whereas Liverpool have stolen them march, albeit there are still sort of other places in the squad to fill but the main primary objective
0: has already been ticked off. Yeah absolutely and and the fact that we have is is fantastic I'm I'm Crossing absolutely everything that, that City don't get a hold of Jack Grealish because I think there'd be a frightening prospect with him in the squad. I I can only hope that I mean Villa seem pretty confident they'll be able to hold on to him. So um, I'm like I said, crossing everything. But we we got our most important bit of business wrapped up straight away, which you know says it all of, of you know how important. Canate is um, whether or not he'll he'll come in straight away is yet to be seen. I I do I would like to see Van Dijk and Gomez back um, for the start of the season, um, but I I do think I do think midfield is probably the position where we absolutely have to bring someone in, and I'll be a bit annoyed if we don't. Um, obviously, centre back was probably the top priority, but um, there is a massive. Wynaldum shaped hole that needs to be filled this summer. And if we don't, I think, you know, it could be problems. I mean, I think it was only Wynaldum and Robertson that played every single Premier League game last season. So if we don't replace Wynaldum, then, you know, all it takes is a couple of injuries in midfield. I mean, we know that Ox is injury prone, Nabby as well. Um, Henderson can pick up injuries here and there. So, you know, we, we don't want to. F- Sell ourselves short again. I, th- I think we definitely did that last season by not replacing Lovren, um, and look where where we ended up. Obviously, you can't account for losing, you know, three of your starting centre backs in you know a short space of time. But you know, if, if last season taught us anything, it's that that that, that can happen, and we don't want to find ourselves in a similar position, midfield wise, next season. The post game podcast on the Blood Red channel.
1: Oh, and just in terms of the defence and bringing Ibrahima Konate in from RB Leipzig, what you were talking about before in terms of Manchester City having the best defence in the league, that's been sort of an accolade that Liverpool have certainly held on to for the past few seasons. Actually, last season, I was looking at it before, conceding 42 goals was the fourth best in the division. But it was, you have to go all the way back to Klopp's first full season, 16 17. For Liverpool to have conceded that many goals in a Premier League season, of course, secured Champions League fi- uh, football on the final day of the season in that campaign as well. So I, I suppose the hope with Konate coming in, Gomez, Van Dijk and all getting fit again will be a case of rebuilding that defence. And hopefully that can be the, the bedrock of Liverpool returning to, to challenge for the title.
2: Yes, but they can't do it all alone. I totally agree with Hannah. Like we, you know, we need, we need midfielders as well. I think, uh, you know, we saw the difference last season when Fabinho played in the six, uh, compared to centre back. I thought he was brilliant at centre back as well, to be honest. But, uh, our lack of cover in the defensive midfield position in the number six w- was, uh, was a big problem, I think. And that's something that I hope we, you know, we can still rectify. Um, you know, um mentioning, you know, sorry, the question's more about the defense, but yeah, look, yeah, no, I it's think it's I think it's you know it's it's the team to defend and and, and as uh Hannah was saying, he, he played three thousand nine hundred and thirteen minutes in all competitions last season. Uh, Fabinho was next on the list with uh, three thousand. Four hundred and sixty-six, so about four five hundred less, and then there's a big drop to the next midfielder, which was Thiago, which was two thousand two hundred. So, we can assume that you know, of course, Curtis might Curtis Jones uh, might might play some more, but we can assume that you know, our midfielders will, you know, drop. You know, maybe not maybe not like flies, but perhaps like uh, I don't know something that drops less dramatically i don't know uh, hopefully um and i think uh, yeah i think that's where that's that's the key to the to our if def- our defence is actually cuz the centre backs is i mean it's a beautiful situation to have all of these players at centre back so i think that's already sorted so if you want to if you want to improve that defensive record i think cover for fabinho at the number 6 is sort of vital tiago Can't run backwards, unfortunately, as much as I love him.
1: Yeah, it is an interesting one, isn't it, Mike? Sort of how that midfield setup does play out. And I suppose the calculated risks that Liverpool have to take, they've not got the money of Manchester City. And there is sort of wage brackets to have to kind of, and wage bills to kind of consider with all of this. Last year, they they took the risk. They took the gamble of thinking that they'd be all right with three centre-halves plus Fabinho. Surely, after the way in which that almost derailed absolutely everything for Liverpool, they, they can't take that same risk in not replacing Van
3: Yeah, a hundred percent. I don't think Jurgen or the staff would want to take that risk. I don't think it's a risk that, as a squad we've got currently, we can take. Um, not only Genie Van but I think maybe the staff will be looking at Henderson as well. You know, he, he's he's on that he's on that not the decline. But he's not going to get any better than what he already is. Um, you're looking at James Milner in that squad as well. The versatility of him is obviously brilliant to have. But he's another midfielder you should have as your midfielder rather than cover at left back, cover anywhere else on the pitch. Um, I would like to see a lot more of Curtis Jones in this preseason. I'd really, um, I was really impressed when he had to play last season. I don't think he probably got enough um, credit where it was due. In last season, and I think he's going to be a really important player. And I know people don't really want to hear that. People want to see big names come in, and and maybe that's the more exciting approach. But just for me, on a personal level, it's an exciting prospect to see a lad come in who's put all the work rate in. He's you know he's give us he's give us some good games. Keep throwing him in there. Keep giving him a chance. And you know, like Hannah touched on there, there is a wine album shaped hole in the squad, and I wasn't an advocate of seeing the back of him. Um I'd have done anything we could have to keep him in there. You look at the minutes played, like Owen touched on. You know, it, it's vital. It's it's a, such a massive part of Klopp's squad. Um we have to replace it. I, you're looking at personnel, I know we've been linked with like Tielemans, Renato Sanchez's of this world, and I think they're the sort of players that would fit the bill. Um I'm not don't necessarily think maybe Sal Neguez is the sort of answer. Um, he's more of a technical sort of player where I think we need a runner in there, we need someone who can get around the pitch um, and I think Tielemans and Renato Sanchez tick them boxes.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna we'll we'll get to throwing some some names about really shortly, but just want to sort of keep on the Vine the theme, Hannah, and kind of he's he's been the engine really, hasn't he, for Jürgen Klopp's midfield. He and Jordan Henderson, ever since really sort of that first full season, have have been mainstays for Jurgen Klopp, even before Fabinho arrived. And I suppose taking him out and putting a new player in, whoever it be, if it is going to be a new signing, surely it has to be somebody who is a fairly high profile or durability able to sort of take on that pressure. But equally, football's all about being a team game, isn't it? And that cohesion and maybe sort of heir to the throne, Curtis Jones, of of stepping up, knowing how the system already works. We see how long sometimes it takes defenders to get used to the Jurgen Klopp system. It, I suppose the replacement in, in, in some ways, again, fans won't want to hear it, might partially already be there.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. It maybe isn't necessarily the fact that you know Wayne Alden's replacement might already be squad, but I think it's more about bodies in midfield as well. Um, but I, I was absolutely gutted when Alden left, and you know I think it's going to break my heart a little bit seeing him play for PSG because he's definitely one of my favourite players. I think he just embodies everything that a Liverpool player should be and you know he, he was one of our most reliable and most consistent players for for a number of years and you know like i said with the minutes played and, and that owen touched on as well like he was a player that Klopp could always turn to and you know that that is very difficult to replace because you know you could you could sign a yuri Tielemans, but who can guarantee that he's not going to get injured and you know who can guarantee that he's going to you know hit the heights or not to say that Helemans isn't a great player because he's fantastic, but he might not be able to offer exactly what album did. So, I think no matter what you do, a, a an incredibly difficult player to replace. Um, so, I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just glad that he's gone. But um, I, I think, if anything, it, like I said, it's about having bodies in midfield as opposed to replacing him specifically as a player because I think that's going to be incredibly difficult to do no matter who you sign
1: yeah, he played pretty much everywhere for, for Liverpool as well. We were just waiting for a crisis in goal for him to to pop up there as well. But Owen, oh, I'm sure you'll miss Liverpool's magic genie as much as anyone as well. What What's your take on a replacement? Does it need to be someone like for like or is it going to have to be something that is shared across the midfield bodies that that Liverpool will have?
2: Well, first of all, I don't think there is a like for like. I think uh, Genie is a bit of a genie, uh, like he's a bit of a genius. And, and, and you know, who, who I don't know, I shall miss him pirouetting around players, you know, so, so beautifully, so elegantly and, you know, using his body and, and protecting the ball and being in the right place at the right time. There's so much to love. Um, about his game um, I actually think we need two players I really do I think we need two players because uh, you know there was uh, Adam Lalana uh, as Mike was talking about with uh, uh, you know Henderson not getting any younger uh, James Milner I mean people think he's immortal he he. I don't know perhaps he is but uh, you know we have to be a little bit realistic that he is he is getting on a bit um, and uh, I mean, I mean, these these are two, you know, Henderson and Milner. Wow, what fabulous players as well. So I think we need two. I mean, my 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 problem with um, you know Sanchez and Tielemans, who, who we talked about before. I mean, they're good players. I don't think Sanchez. I mean, he had a very good Euros. He was excellent in the Euros, but that will never convince me. Um, if you look at his stats, he's he didn't do so well defensively. Uh, last season and he was and he was injured uh for lots of it and, and Tielemans from what I've seen um quite a few times like everybody you know we watch Leicester matches and um he's he's a wonderful player he's a wonderful all round player but he lacks a bit of dynamism uh and you know you you probably wouldn't won't like this suggestion guy but uh I I I I suggest someone like Bukayu Saka or at least that profile, someone who's young and full of energy, full of dynamism and technique and quality and vision. He's, he's a wonderful young player. Someone like that or, or, or Jude Bellingham, you know, someone very young. Who's extremely dynamic, and then apart from that, yes, maybe a, a, a more technical player, you know, Alas Saul or or, or or Neuhaus or someone, you know, just to give you a different option against the, uh, you know, the people who will play with the legacy of Big Sam or Jose Mourinho, this anti-football nonsense. Uh, so yes, yeah, so a technician and a dynamic number six are my two replacements.
0: The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Mike, I suppose it is, it is sort of one we've not really considered that actually Liverpool may well want two players. And I suppose even part of that thinking, as Owen was alluding to with Henderson and James Milner, is that idea of succession planning because we don't want to be in a year or two years' time seeing their contracts ticking down and all of a sudden Liverpool found in a very what would be familiar, albeit unwanted, situation? I think ultimately it comes
3: down to budget again, um, and I think Liverpool fans are probably getting a bit fed up of hearing that now. To be honest, you know, considering the amount of achievements we've had in the last couple of years, you know, it becomes a bit of a a, a boring topic that we have to almost sell before we can buy. And you know, Owen touched on Jude Bellingham. Then I'd love Bellingham, but you know, how much are you paying for him? I, I think Liverpool are more in the in the sort of target of maybe a Persuma who's at Brighton. You know, he's probably more of an affordable um, prospect, another player that we we know that can do it in the Premier League. Yeah, he's probably not as good as Genie. He probably hasn't got as much as Genie, but, you know, he might do in two or three years' time. That's what Klopp kind of does. He doesn't buy the big name stars, he, you know, he, he grows them. Um, and I'm, yeah, I mean, maybe you could buy a Pursuma and maybe one of those players as well, and, you know, Look at that. Look, you're looking towards the future too. Um, but I, I'm still convinced on a Tielemans. I really, really am. Um, even before we knew that Genie was going to be going, um, before he wasn't going to be signing that contract or a contract wasn't offered, I, I was convinced on Tielemans. I, re, I really think he is the perfect replacement. And you could probably argue he's maybe got a little bit more going forward too. Um, you look at him in that FA Cup final for Leicester, and you know, that was a match winning performance that from him. Um, so I'm pretty sold on him. Um, touched on Renato Sanchez too. He, he, people will keep going back to the way he performed in Swansea. You've got to look at his age there and maybe, maybe he was just not mature enough and he's obviously gone away to Lille. He's won the league there. He looks a bit more of a mature player and um, you know, it's 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 one of those things in the Euros or a World Cup where a player always comes out with them and they're looking, looking maybe better than they are and someone takes a punt on them and they're not as good. But, I think I think maybe he could improve under Klopp. Um I just feel like so long as that void is filled, I think the staff have you know, they've never ever given us a an opportunity to dismiss that they're any good at their job.
1: Yeah, no, that yeah. idea of tournament signings as well being better than maybe what they were. Salif Jao probably fits into to that bracket quite quite nicely. Find the basuma stuff very interesting indeed because there were those links. They've kind of been quashed and put to the side. But Liverpool have done that in the past, haven't they? Kind of distance themselves from a target and then come back a bit later in the window when maybe the price is is dropping somewhat and that may well happen with Basuma because I think a lot of people thought he would move on early indeed in the transfer window. Hannah, what about yourself? Of the names that have kind of been floated, we seem to have kind of gone through all of them on this podcast. The like of Sanchez, Basuma there, Tielemans, Neuhaus, Sal Niguez. Any of those sort of jump off the page to you? Or do you think Liverpool are going to just keep digging a bit deeper until they find the exact option they're looking for?
0: Yeah, I mean, Tielemans, again, is, is one for me that I think would be perfect for Liverpool. I just, with Leicester and the money that they ask for, for their players, I think, might be a little bit too much that from what we pay, um, but as uh, a thing with Leicester, they do always seem to lose one of their big hitters every summer. Um, another one that I talk about a lot, of people probably won't agree with it, but I really am a big fan of John McGinn <laughs> at Villa. I, I don't think I don't think they'd let him go. Um, I think especially if they're trying to keep hold of Grealish as well. I, I, Villa are in a very strong position; they don't need to sell. Um, financially, they're absolutely fine, and and for them, it's going to be a massive season next year, and they want to push for European football, so they're not going to start dismantling their squad, and they can put high asking price on players. So I w- I wouldn't pay an absolute fortune for McGinn, but if you could get him for a reasonable price, I, I think it'd be an ideal fit. And I've sort of been going on about him to some of my Villa supporting friends for quite a while. I, I am a huge fan of him, so he's one that I, I you know I encourage I'd want the you know, recruitment team to be looking at because we think he's a good player, um, but I think the you'll probably talk about it, but I think a forward of some sort, <laughs> whether that's out wide or more in Firmino's position, I think is is quite important, especially to give more competition I think to our front three more than anything. Not that you know I I love Sarah, I love Mane, and I. Think Absolutely, they'll pretty much start every game. But I don't think they have enough competition and whether or not Harvey Elliott can come up and sort of give that. But I, I still think it might be a couple of years too early for him. But I, I do think the forwards as well is is a position that we need to be looking at ahead of the new season.
1: It's exactly where we're heading off next, Hannah. And I was going to say to you, Owen, you want two midfield players. Do you want a forward as well? Is Is a forward on your shopping list? uh yes i'm going to the shopping
2: mall with a with a pocket with <laughs> my pockets uh bursting full of cash um and uh yeah i'm just going on a spree supermarket sweep um uh, uh doniel marlon um i want someone pacey i really do because if someone you know drops out through injury um you know especially if it's money or, or or salah uh you know, the pace, the burst, the flash. That's what we need, uh, you know, for the counter attack. We're one of the best counter attacking teams in the world, but we would lose that if, uh, you know, all those brilliant goals we score from opposition corners, uh, you know, we would lose that if we don't have, you know, the pacey guys, at least two, you know, uh, attacking. I mean, that if you look at for example mo Salah's wonder goal on the counter attack like against west ham last season um if you look at the run that mané makes as well it really helps it really draws the defenders gives him an extra an extra yard of space and it's it's so wonderful how we counter attack so yeah donnyo Marlon for me uh, 24 goals and eight assists in 40 matches including the europa league uh, which is which are huge numbers regardless of the division he's in regardless it's the Dutch Eredivisie, and he's only for PSV Eindhoven. Um, I think he's someone with bags of talent, and uh, he would be number one or someone with a similar profile. Pacey, tricky, scores goals. I mean, I'm looking like, for the ultimate attacker, aren't I? But uh, maybe there's was, one in there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was worried you were going to be looking at North London at a certain number seven, who's dynamic you've already given a mention to, but we'll we'll scoot <laughs> on very quickly indeed. Uh, Mike, what about yourself? Is there a name that springs to mind? Or again, is it sort of just a forward option? I, I kind of think someone who can maybe play off that right or even in that Firmino role as well. Jota kind of does likewise off the, the left and through the middle, but it sort of feels as though there could be someone to, to back up Salah or whether Harvey Elliott can quite step up.
3: Yeah, I think, I think Klopp usually likes to not buy a player who can play in one position. He likes them to be able to play in all those front three positions. He doesn't like them to just be accustomed to maybe the left or to the right. Um, a player that really caught my eye during the Euros was Doku uh, at Rennes. Uh I think he looks in the same mould as Mane. Um, I was really sort of rooting for Liverpool to go for Pats and Daka. Obviously, he's gone to Leicester and, you know, there's that Red Bull connection with Liverpool. So... I think he'd have been a bit of a snip. I think he went for twenty three million. Um but again I know Doku's had a bit of a relationship with Liverpool in the past. Um maybe that one could be revitalised. Um I really enjoyed watching him and the the pace, the power. He's a young lad as well. You know, not only are you buying for here and now, but you know, he can get two years um learning off Mane and training before, you know, Mane's obviously moved on to uh to different things. But I think another player that I would like to see, I think we all want to see a number now. We all want to see a poacher, a clinical goal-scoring uh, centre-forward. You know, for me, you know, his numbers are starting to tail off a little bit now. I, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe Dolberg being um, thrown. I know that's a name that's not really been thrown around, but I think Klopp's got a bit of a relationship with him from the past when he was at Ajax, and he's now at Nice. You know, with the problems with uh, League 1 at the moment, with the tele- tel- uh, television deal, um, you might be able to get him on a bit of a snip. He's a young player. He's tall, Um, he just gives us something else off the bench that you know we've been looking at Origi for that, and maybe Dahlberg's the next Origi in that sort of vein. Uh, you're tossing Harvey Elliott there as another a good point. It looks like it's going to be st- he's going to be sticking around. I think we need players in those positions because you've got the African combinations obviously during the season, so you can see Salah and Mane are going to be going there. So we need. Not only quality, but we need depth with the quality um and I think doku's a player that I really think Liverpool should be going after
1: yeah i mean i I'll, I'll bring you back in here you what, what are your thoughts well, I just got a question really from Mike
2: because Doku only got four goals in um i think it was. 30, no, sorry, 43 matches last season. I didn't know much about him for the Euros, but he before the Euros, but he looked really good. I agree with you. But wouldn't that worry you, the fact they only got four goals uh last season?
3: Yeah, I, I see your point, but then I flip it on its head and probably say he's going to get more chances playing for Liverpool, he's going to get a lot more chances, he's going to get a lot more, you know, your tappings and everything like that coming off that left or coming off that right. From a from an outswinging cross or ball across the uh, the front from one of the, our fullbacks, then maybe what you would get for Ren. Um, I know you touched on Marlon would be. Of, I I 100 agree. I think he'd be a great prospect, but it does feel like um he's going to be heading to Dortmund to be Sancho's replacement there. Um, maybe Liverpool should have got you know sniffing around him before the tournament started. I think that's always another issue, isn't it? That if you don't get those players before the tournament's happen. The valuation goes up, um, but I think a young player like Doku, who's I think he's nineteen, I think I'm right in saying, he's only going to get better. You know, he's not going to start every game, but he's going to learn and grow. And I think that's what I think Klopp actually gets a buzz off that as well. I think he would get a buzz off teaching someone like Doku. So I do take your point, but I do think his uh, I think his chances would increase numerously.
0: The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
1: I liked your dobo shout as well, to be honest. It's one of those I always find with, with Liverpool. Obviously, the, the system is built around wide scoring forwards, but you're always thinking to yourself, what if a number nine was in there? Because you're conditioned, aren't you, sort of growing up in the British game, that it's got to be a, a number nine, a traditional centre-forward grabbing the goals. Hannah, what about yourself? And I suppose at risk of winding up Aston Villa fans, I'll put the name in, in your mouth, of, of Ollie Watkins.
0: Yeah. I mean, Adama Traore is another name that gets thrown around quite and get something to Liverpool. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure Walsh would sell to us two, two summers in a row um, to their forwards. But, um, yeah, Doku was one that I was impressed with at the Euros as well. I, I did really like him and he's one that, you know, we, we have been interested in before. Um, when we were, it was probably too soon for him, but now it might might be an option. Marlon as well, but again, Dort- Dortmund seem to have beat us to it as their Sancho replacement. Um, but, it's it's always difficult with forwards because you've you know you're bringing people in that you've almost got to convince that they'll get game time because they're competing with Salah and, and Mane, which you know we, we we see their reactions when they get taken off or when they don't get played, and um, you know you, you've almost got to bring someone in to say you're going to be sitting on the bench, and not that I want to bring it up, but I I still really really want to hope that we could potentially have a chance at Mbappe. I mean. Uh, you, you do got to sort of look at it in the regard of, you know, Salah and Mane are getting on a bit and they aren't going to be, you know, hitting the... High- you, you, you do need to be planning in, in that respect and I think on, obviously Real Madrid is probably the likely destination for someone like Mbappe but you do look at the financial situation of, of those clubs and um, whether or not they could even afford him and, and whether or not, I mean, we probably can't afford him anyway <laughs> but... You know, it is players like that. We do need almost the next best thing in that position, you know, to sort of take on the range from from Salah and Mane. And we do need to be planning in that regard. Um, but in terms of, you know, realistically, um, Doku is one that I, I did really like at the Euros. So maybe him and, and the forward, as you said. I mean, again, you, you just look at Villa players. I mean, I want McGinn. I want Ollie Watkins. But. Just the whole Villa squad um but yeah it's 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 a diff- it's a difficult position for us to fill i think i mean we do have jota there, and you know like Mike mentioned afcon is, is this year um or more next year, but this season um but I, I don't think they'll they'll miss as many games as as even though they'll pro- you know Senegal and egypt will go deep into it i i think there's quite FA Cup games around that time as well. So in terms of Premier League games that they'll miss, I don't think it'll be as bad as I probably worst feared. I thought they'd be gone for ages and, you know, we we would have to bring someone in, but I don't think it's that that bad. Um, but it is a very difficult position for us to fill. It's, it's If anything, it's more, you know, Firmino you know, that I'm a little bit worried about, because obviously his goal tally doesn't quite add up and, um, you know, There were points last season that you just got incredibly frustrated with him and he was sort of holding us back in a way and, you know, giving it away in areas that you really shouldn't be giving the ball away and you would get quite frustrated with him. So I don't know if sort of that position might be one that that we sort of look at bringing someone in. But like I said, it's, it's a difficult position for us to fill purely because of who they're competing with for places in the team.
2: When uh, Mike and Hannah have both uh, talked about Firmino having having a disappointing season, I think his slump coincided with our slump in terms of his form. But in terms of goals... It's not actually true that he's dropped off. I mean, he he got nine goals and seven assists last season, and in the season before, where we of course we got ninety nine points, he also got nine goals and eight assists. So you know, if you talk about a drop off in terms of his actual end product, which of course we shouldn't totally judge him on because he's a false nine, he plays much deeper than the goals and assists. Um, but I just don't think that it's it's. It's fair to say that his his goals and assists drop off. Maybe, yes, you could talk about his format times last season where he just looked uh, absolutely shattered, didn't he? Like he could do with, uh, you know, a week on a lilo at Centre Parks in France or Butlin's Holiday Camp or something like that. And I'm surprised that Jürgen didn't take him out of the team at that point. But he came back at the end of the season i thought we, sh- we he showed uh the, the bobby of old and i think with the crowd back um i think he could be back and it's the same with mané you see because sané uh, S- 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 sadio mané um uh dropped off quite a lot in terms of end products last season uh he, he normally overperformed listening to the brilliant Josh from analyzing Anfield on blood red he said uh you know his his xg he outperformed his xg by 6 goals in the two uh seasons before last and then last season he underperformed by 6 goals so that's a huge 12 goal difference uh for him but I'm not losing faith in Sadio either. I think he could be back. But um, I just think that Bobby Firmino, I think that it's, it's quite a common theme amongst Liverpool fans to say that he's, he's dropped off. But if you look at the numbers, he, he hasn't really, not that much, even in terms of his creativity and chances created. Um, had Mane, for example, put away six of those goals to finish on a neutral XG, there maybe Firmino would have ended up with more assists than the season
1: we won the league. So I just wanted to
2: to get that in to defend Bobby a bit.
1: No, interesting, interesting point, uh, and well made to be fair, Rowan. Uh, before we go, then, just wanted to ask you guys obviously, we are at the start of pre season and the new season closing in. What are you most looking forward to seeing over the next few weeks before the season gets underway? Whether it be the guys returning from injury, whether it be Konate or, or whether it be one of the, the young kids. We've already mentioned Harvey Elliott, but Mateusz Michielowski is also another one who gets spoken about an awful lot. He's away with the squad in Austria. Mike, I'll, I'll start with you. Pre-season what are you? Uh, what are you hoping for? More so, just the
3: whole thing of watching the Reds again. Um, more than a, you know, we all want to see Canate play. We all want to make that early judgment on him already. But I'm just looking forward to seeing the Reds back. Um, I know that the club are hoping to do a pre-season at Anfield. Well, a, a friendly at Anfield, aren't they, before the season starts? And if you look at it just from that game in particular, fans back. I'm just so excited to see fans back. And I know I'm not too sure how they'll... They'll have any fans of a small capacity on these preseason games. But even then, you know, just to see fans back on the ground throughout the Euros was great. So, you know, that's what I'm really looking forward to in preseason. Some sort of normality back again. Um, If you were looking at players, you know, I know Van Dyke and Gomez are obviously back in training. What sort of small part they'll play, just seeing them back in a red shirt again will be great. Um, What'll happen with (laughs) Carius? <laughs> to be honest I forgot he i forgot he was employed by the club um so you know he might even get a bit of a, a bit of a few minutes there um but you know i think the, the obvious answer is canate isn't it he seems to like to take the players to Ostia club um so you know he'll be working them hard but you know seeing how he'll integrate within the team um maybe you know the name in, in elliot you know seeing what he can offer early on in preseason um, you know he's talking, talking to talk now, uh, which is what you'd like to see. Let's see what he can do in preseason. Um, it's always, it's always difficult to judge in preseason, isn't it? You can get a bit ahead of yourself and stuff like that. And maybe I suppose one more name I'd look at was uh, Minamino. You know I'm quite interested to see if he plays a big part in preseason, um, or whether he shipped on quite early on to somebody else. Um, is there, is there a future there for him still? Not too sure, but you know, maybe we'll see a bit part of him in preseason.
1: Yeah, and the first two games are Tuesday later on, on Tuesday. Wacker Innsbruck and uh, Stuttgart as well, two sort of mini thirty minute games. But same question as to as to Mike, what are you sort of hoping to see from the Reds in preseason?
0: I, I would agree on the Harvey Elliott one. Um, you know, he had a fantastic season on loan last last season, um, and you know he is one of our brightest young players. And you know, he, there is—I mean, probably I think there needs to be another loan in there, maybe a Premier League loan. But there is talk that you know he he wants to, and he you know could compete for a spot next season. So you know, if he does have a big pre-season that would sort of give a big indication as to what will happen with him. Um, Centre backs as well. I think, you know, um, it, it was the Euros final. But my my biggest thing was the fact that pre season was starting on the Monday and Van Dyke was going to be back. So, um, you know, I'm absolutely buzzing to see him again. Um, Gomez as well. I think Matip is slightly further further ahead than those two. Um, but just just to see them playing again after so long will just be absolutely amazing and, and it'll sort of give an indication of how well they've actually recovered from their injuries as well because we sort of expect them you know Van Dijk especially to come back and be exactly what he was before the injury but you can never quite guarantee that so pre-season will be maybe a good indicator of just how well he has recovered from his injury and Kanate as well is the obvious one you know to sort of see how he fits in and and you know what clock maybe plans on doing with his centre back options next season because you know he's sort of gone from having absolutely none to having quite a few so he might sort of tweak formation a little bit um and Minamino as well like mike said is, is another one um you know i think it was neil jones that did something on goal the other day that he's already you know trying to prove prove his worth at liverpool and sort of fight for it fight for his space in the squad um even though we only signed him quite recently. So um I'd like to see him have a big preseason and sort of, you know, work his way back into the team again. Um but yeah, um and it, and it's good to see, you know, Salah and Marno back as well and they'll get a whole preseason rather than them being away, you know, like Hendo and and Alison and Bobby on, you know, international competitions. The fact that we've got them for a whole preseason as well will bode well, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wouldn't want to be either Jurgen Klopp or Pep Linder sort of telling Virgil Van Dijk to take it steady and ease your way back in, because I'm sure through pre season he's absolutely chomping at the bit and, and wanting to make up for lost time.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, there's a really good um, podcast I heard. Uh, sorry to plug other podcasts, but yeah, on absolutely BBC... fine. Okay, well, on, on BBC Football Daily, they had a, a, an interview, I think it was a couple of years old, because he mentioned Keanu Hoover and things. But he talks about how he came back from uh, appendicitis, a very serious one that was followed by, by an infection um, a couple of years back. And of course, this is a completely different injury and all that stuff. But but it does tell you that he does have the power to recover and get back. And it uh, just Brings me so much joy, uh, the fact that he is back and, you know, just, you know, just imagining him back on the pitch. And, you know, even 70 percent of the Van Dijk uh, that we knew before his injury would still be the best defender in the Premier League. Uh, I'm not taking your Ruben Diaz nonsense uh, because Virgil is the way, is where it's at and um, I, th- I, I, it just makes me a bit giddy to be honest. To the thought of him coming back with his, his brilliant attitude, with his leadership, with his glorious skills, and uh, yeah, I can't wait.
1: No, can't wait for the season to get underway and echo what Mike said about the the fans being back in and hopefully back in in proper numbers. Well, that's it. That's all we've got time for for this edition of Post Game. Do keep across the Liverpool Echo for the latest on the games with Innsbruck and Stuttgart. We'll be back here after the match on Blood Red with a tweaked version of Post Game and the other. Th- Friendlies before we do get the gang back together to get locked and loaded for full post-game service throughout the course of the Premier League season, which of course starts away at Norwich City. But from myself, Guy Clark, Hannah Pinnock, Mike Holt, and Owen from Cop on Podcast. Thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now.
0: You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.